I'm Julie Podowitz, CEO and founder of Grow Your Occupancy. Our passion is helping senior living providers maximize sales efforts and increase revenue. Join me as I chat with industry leaders who share their tips and strategies, and we'll have some fun along the way. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Grow Your Occupancy podcast. I'm Julie Podowitz, CEO and founder, and today I'm very excited to welcome Meredith Mills to the show. Meredith is the Chief Executive Officer, right, at Country Meadows. Welcome. Hard to believe, right? We've known each other since I was just a a lowly community salesperson. <laughs> Never. Well, you, I love you too, Meredith. It's great to see you. Uh, to well. kind of give a background, your background, right, and, and a little bit more about Country Meadows. And yes, we met years ago when you started with the company, right? Because you've yes. really risen up in the ranks. Yeah. So Country Meadows is. You know, we're quite a large company in the fact that we have over 30 buildings on 11 campuses, about 2,400 um, residents, but we're located very geographically tightly in Pennsylvania and Maryland, and we are 100% family owned and operated. And I'm really honored to be a part of the third generation of family members that sit now in this CEO seat. Um, and I get to work with some of my family members every day. Um, but I was in a completely different industry before this. I actually worked uh, for a very large real retailer um, at the corporate level as an e-commerce manager. So I got a little bit of knowledge in terms of some marketing in that sense from that role, but um, came back to the company. My husband and I both left our roles in corporate America and came back to Country Meadows after my grandmother passed. Um, my grandfather at the time was running his second senior living company that he started after he retired from Country Meadows at age 80. He was bored. And that gives you a sense of the type of genes that I come from. And uh, he asked me when I was coming back and, and when other you know grandchildren, people of the third generation might consider coming back. And um, my husband and I took him very seriously. And we were thankfully um, welcomed back and both began uh, jobs, ro job roles at our flagship campus in Hershey, Pennsylvania, the sweetest place on earth. And I started out as a marketing director with no knowledge of senior sales or senior living. And that's how we met. And that's how we met. And I was very unhappy about it when I was told you're going to have a coach. <laughs> I was very insulted at first, but it was <laughs> one of the best things to happen to me in my career. And I, I can't thank you enough for everything that you taught me and how you changed my career trajectory from that point forward with the knowledge wow. that you helped me with. That's a, that's an honor. One thing, Meredith, uh, that always sticks in my mind about you is that through the years, you occasionally would reach out even through LinkedIn or a message and at different varying stages of your career development say, you know what, something we talked about six years ago is has helped me right now or sticks in my head and and that is that's a wow that's just a, a sign as someone who's obviously very uh invested in their growth and and um i love the fact that at, at country meadows you know the culture part of your culture that that you've your well your grandfather and and your family and the entire team has cultivated over the years is that 
continuous learning and growth and what we know and what we're really good at and where can we stretch ourselves? You know? Absolutely. Oh, continuous in innovation. I, I always say continuous improvement doesn't just exist in, in the clinical realm, right? We have to be constantly viewing our results, looking for root causes where we can make improvements, putting interventions into place and measuring how that impact happens. But I think that part of my success has been because I learned at the sales level how to ask the hard questions when you're working with somebody, whether it be somebody that reports to you, whether it be a prospect, whether it be a family member, you know, when you're managing a community and being able to ask those hard questions in a in an on culture way and then sitting back and listening mm -hmm. and being able to help persuade to a mutually beneficial outcome. Um, I think that that sales really helped me with that. Mm. Yeah, it, the, the sales skills, you know, and, and role play and the things like you said, that sometimes people are like, I, I don't want to coach. And I already know how to do this, right? I already know how. It's not about learning how to necessarily do it. It's how to implement and and do it better and get a greater result. Those, those skills, like you said, are their leadership skills, their relationship yes. skills, like yes. you said, listening, asking open-ended questions, and not jumping to solve make you know having your whoever it is that you're coaching maybe at a prospect a family or or team member or a peer come to their own conclusions right oh yes and understanding those dynamics right because when you're yeah. working with a prospect you're not just working with that prospect you're working with their whole support system and sometimes it's the prospect has decided they want to move but you have to convince a an adult child and it's always interesting to watch those dynamics but that when I got onto the operations side which I always say is the dark side. Um, <laughs> whoever I'm talking, whichever audience I'm talking to, one side or the other might be the dark side. But um, you know, my sales skills really helped me a lot in in managing people. So, so for that. Meredith, it, you know, let's talk a little bit about culture. You know, we did see each other about a month ago. It, incredibly fun on the carousel. We saw each other. <laughs> you can believe it. And you, and here you are, CEO not only at the training, but really engaged. I think I gave you a marker and had you take notes and, and you were role-playing and you were in the database. People talk about lead by example. That's, that's leading by example. But why do you, why is it so important to you to like, for example, have been there? Oh, sure. And I did it a couple of weeks later with all of our recruiters. And, you know, I think you can hear something from your direct manager, but when they hear it from me, and they know that I'm making that commitment in a public environment of their peers, then they know that they can hold me accountable to it. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I also think that the further away that I get, you know, I was a campus executive director after I was a marketing director. And then I got into our healthcare partnership, you know, a vice president role. And then I was our COO and now I'm CEO. So I've been out of the field for over six years and I don't know how things are playing out, especially post COVID. I don't know the challenges that they have. And so one of my frustrations when I worked in a campus was the corporate office not understanding how the policies, guidelines, changes that they made rolled out and impl were implemented at each individual community that each needed something different. And so I like to make sure that I have that ongoing feedback because 
if I don't know what my marketers think of the way we're doing things or the way our EDs feel about it or the way our recruiters or any any one of our middle managers and even frontline staff, um, I can't do my job well. I have to have that continuous feedback loop. And we create that in a lot of different ways. It's not just in you know being president meetings. We have a lot of anonymous routes to that. Like for instance, we have a stupid rules email that is anonymous that any coworker can write into and um, say, well, I don't agree with this rule or why is this policy in place? <laughs> and it comes to me and to our VP of HR and our COO and we may say, oh, that is kind of a stupid rule. We should change that. And then we make sure that we let the field know that it was called out, why we changed it, or if it's a rule that we aren't going to change, but maybe we think that the level of understanding as to why that rule is in place is not making sense to the, you know, sort of the end user, our coworker. Um, we make sure that we we tell the why behind it so that we can say, this is our thought process. This is why we decided this. You may not agree with it, but we want you to understand that it, it was decided upon for a specific reason, and this is why. So we really try to create those feedback loops to understand how the decisions that we're making at the top level are resonating with our, our coworkers, and also to understand what they're experiencing with our current customer, with our current workforce. Again, I don't know what things are like post-pandemic, post-staffing, or mid-staffing crisis. I'll say we're 95% staffed right now, so we're feeling good. But you know, we know workforce is going to continue to be an issue. Are our marketers feeling confident in the product they're selling? I'm not going to ask anyone to sell a product they're not confident in because I know how I would have felt. So what do we need to do to you know, increase the quality, increase the experience for all of our customers? I need to know those things or I can't do my job well. So being... Um... They, you know, words like transparency and communication and teamwork, you know, thrown thrown around a lot. Um, see, it sounds to me though that that, and, and I I know this just from from knowing you all for many years that you live it and that list like seen and heard. People want their voice, or you don't like you said just because if you think it's a stupid rule, love that by the way, anonymous stupid rule. It doesn't mean it's going to be changed necessarily, or if you don't like something, doesn't mean you don't have to, you know, you still might have to do it, but really get um, being collaborative in the, uh, or at least communicative in that, oh, this is why it's, we're, we're doing this. Like you said, you didn't want to coach, you know, it, I usually, I, I work for a, you know, a, a fortune 500 company. I know what I'm doing. Why do I need that? Well, this is a, this is why we do it. And this is, these are the desired outcomes what um so how do what in other ways do you kind of bring the culture to life and sustain it sure you know i think <clears throat> i get very um focused on again how we are marketing our culture and our values to all of our customers because i view our residents and families as customers, but I also view our coworker as a customer. Mm -hmm. I had the absolute honor of being able to work in our campuses for years. My husband ran two different campuses. We used to, when we first started, we used to go put our memory support residents to bed at night, and then we'd put them to bed again because they usually got up again. But we would leave some nights at eight o'clock at night working alongside our coworkers, you know, helping residents do their ADLs in the evening. And I learned not only how crucial it is to have customers mm -hmm. and to have healthy occupancy and census, but how crucial it is to have coworkers that feel cared for and feel supported as customers of ours as well. And I want to do everything we can to honor and support them. 
Um, and so, you know, I have that unique perspective of, of coming up from that. And when I um, was in charge of our strategic approach and our, our business development, when I first came into the corporate side, uh, we had an opportunity to take a step back and look at our vision, mission, and foundation principles. And they had been in place for, you know, 30 plus years. And really, they were still very, very much evergreen and applicable to the way that we wanted to run our business, with the exception of they were all focused on resident family customer. And so we took them and we flipped them just slightly to also include coworker as customer. And for me, we did a whole relaunch with our teams, um, you know, from the ground up with, you know, vice president level people running around the clock meetings with, with fields, you know, frontline staff to make sure that we kind of made this revamp really, <clears throat> you know, in, in front of them, we, we made them know how important they were to us that we changed our whole, you know, focus and our whole principal structure based on that. And since then, I, I have to be honest, like I don't have our our foundation principles as something that just sit on the wall. They're things that we weave into so much of our messaging and to so much of what we do. Right now, we're working on these really cool things. And I'm kind of lucky in that my family's last name, not mine because I'm married, but is leader. So, I mean, what a great marketing, you know, brand to be able to work with, but we're working on this deck of leaderisms that is kind of like, I don't know if anyone has little affirmator cards, but for me, I have little like reminders that I put next to my computer or little things that I have in my bulletin board that remind me where I need to focus or improve or where my weaknesses might lie that I need to kind of get myself refocused around. The one for me is, done is better than perfect. Oh, I'm not a great delegator. So this, this one's mine, but we asked our, our leadership to all combine either um, things that our family has said over time or things that my grandparents said, as well as things that their favorite managers said, or things that they like to keep front of mind to keep them focused um, on how we need to be making decisions. And so we're putting out this whole deck of leaderisms for our management team to be able to have, and they're all branded and, and they're great little things that you can just give. Like one of my other big ones is yes, if not saying no, but saying yes, comma, if, right? No, we can't give you a shower every day. Yes, we can give you a shower every day. If you're willing to pay a small fee for that and know that it may not always occur at 9am with the caregiver that you love, but it might have some variation, right? So, you know, how do we say that for both the coworker and the family member. And, and some of that is about like the respect and compassion with which we lead from, from our foundation principles. So weaving that into all of our messaging and, and into all that we do so that we are hitting our customer at multiple points with the messaging and staying true to it and weaving it into, to all the things that we do with marketing for every customer. I love the leaderisms. Done is better than perfect. You know, I'm a doer. <laughs> like, let's do stuff. We should put eat that frog on there, really. Eat that frog. Eat that frog. I think of you and I'm, oh, I've got to eat a frog and it's two o'clock in the afternoon. Take your own, take your own advice or take the advice <laughs> that you learn from others. Eat that frog. So just got back from several conferences and, you know, he's learning and networking and uh, the, uh, the, the let's see what well, the question I have for you is the what's important to you as far as and you talked about 95% staffed that's 
incredible because it's staffing and always the revenue and occupancy cost, right? Is that NOI is top of mind for everybody. Um, balancing or placing importance. Maybe that's my question. What importance you place, we'll talk about sales, but the infrastructure of sales operations of what works or what you know to work and then the new shiny stuff. You know, the we can't do things like we did 20 years ago and it's 2023 and 2024. And uh, can you? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm I'm really big on, on SEO, SEM and coming from like an e-commerce background, that was something that I've understood more theoretically for a while. But, you know, you and I talked a little bit at our sales summit about the fact that the internet-based leads that we may be getting are likely going to have more of an urgent need, um, are going to close more quickly, but probably have a shorter length of stay. Mm -hmm. And we're definitely seeing a degradation in our length of stay and obviously an increase in our acuity. We're all seeing that. We're seeing the pushdown from skilled nursing and the hospital systems and everything that's going on in Medicare innovation that is causing acuity to rise. Um, and, and quite often, a lot of our customers don't have the finances to, to stay as long. And we're seeing more people needing, you know, Medicaid, things of that nature. And when we, you know, our, I think our, our sales team always has known how to sell within a way that was on culture. And our, our sales team lives and breathes our culture. I think they, they feel excited about it. They see it alive in their, in their campuses. But we hadn't always given them like some of those nuts and bolts and that foundation to really build some of the more refined sales skills. And it was really wonderful because now I see them taking on the longer lead um, mm -hmm. referrals from business partners or their community or the 55 plus or the church down the street and really taking the time to put in the thought and work those leads, which we know takes so much more time and energy, but often come in with lower acuity, a longer length of stay, you know, all these things that make for a healthy business and a stable business and, and fewer um, lost revenue days, but are such a harder effort for our salespeople. Um, I, I really think that without that ongoing reminder of these are the things that really work in senior sales, but are hard to do and let's practice them and make sure we're building our confidence so that we can do them better day after day. That's what I've seen since since we've really kind of reiterated that with our team. And that's been really um, fantastic to to watch. Wow. Well, the your VP of sales, Jill, sent me a, a kind of a grouping of summary of her of the team's feedback as far as takeaways. And, you know, I'm big on action, big on takeaways. And it's a lot You know, when when we come to do training. Uh, want to make it worth people's time. What is it that you, you know, as an individual resonated? So, because it's not going to implement it if it doesn't resonate, right? With, with uh, us individually, they were so precise and specific about what their takeaways. And, and I was blown away, Meredith, reading some of those, because they were primarily, they were primarily, um, you know, really focused in on what you're talking about, that longer sale. That's where people get challenged. It's mm -hmm. like, I'm not ready right now. I have to sell my house. I'm, I'm not old enough yet. I'm going to wait until the economy gets better. I'm only 86. And, and there we just, 
they're not ready to move. We we they we've invited them in for lunch and, and we we you know, they've come to an event. Now what the heck are we doing? Joe will tell you there is nothing I despise more than hearing from a salesperson. Well, they're just not ready. Oh. Because people don't go shopping for senior living for fun. But it's so hard to get them ready sometimes. Yes. And you have to spend a lot of brain power and effort and picking yourself back up again after being tossed down. And it is really awkward sometimes to pick up the phone and know what to say to reinvigorate that conversation. And I think, um, you know, kind of to your, to your question, some of the things that the team really, you know, that really resonated with them were some of those phrases and starters and also the, the time frame of what is most appropriate to oh. invigorate a cold lead and when you're really losing somebody because you go too long. I mean, you had a lot of great data and statistics around like truly proven, you know, stages to the sale. And, and when somebody first inquires how quickly we need to move and what steps we need to take in order to, you know, meet them where they are and, and keep the process going. But I really think two of the things that my team members didn't expect from the summit were the fact that one, them pushing a prospective resident or family member to do something in a given time frame that may not be easy for that person is actually what that person needs and is doing their job well. I think so many of them are such highly empathetic people. Yeah. That, and, and this is what I struggled with when I met you. I thought that uh, that closing someone and and pushing them was cold because that they're in a difficult time. They're up against the challenging circumstances. Why would I make them, push them out of their comfort zone when they're dealing with all of this? Right. But actually, they're looking at us as a trusted advisor. They're saying, I don't understand this maze. You do. What do I need to do next? They're not often asking that. Right. But we need to show them right. that that's why they reached out in the first place. And I think that was a really key um, takeaway for many of my team members was, was having comfort in knowing that pushing prospects is not pushing, but, but guiding, I'd say, can still be done in a way that's on culture for us. And then the second thing was that they do have enough leads in their database. Oh, wow. Yeah. We, is- right. We just, I, I, I won't call this person out, but I had a meeting before your summit. And this person said to me, we just moved over from our old CRM to welcome home that we love so much. And it's been a great experience for us. And we, you know, we, we kind of closed out so many prospects that were cold and, and lost. And so we, we have such limited prospects now. Um, we just don't have enough. And I heard that very person during the summit, when you went around and said, what was your takeaway from the first day? That person said, I do have enough leads. So that was really validating for me because I, I, I think all of those leads are worth so much money to us. Mm-hmm. We spend so much on our search engine marketing. We don't use aggregators. But, oh yeah. I was just saying, and I, we're running out of time, but if you mentioned, okay, so country meadows doesn't use aggregators. So you don't pay a move-in fee for any of your. No. Products. They're all organic, meaning you know, the referred or digital. Correct. Oh my goodness. People listening. I'm going to say 99% people listening are going to say, how the heck 
do you manage that? Because we rely so heavily. And then what I hear, Meredith, is, well, that's just the way it is now. Outreach is sure. you know, it's archaic. And what worked 20 years ago doesn't work, you know, which I feel yeah. like well, I'm not saying what worked 20 years ago. We're talking about right now. But it is a reality, Meredith, that uh, that statistically more than half a database new leads coming in our aggregators. How do you sure. do it? Well, you know, and I think in some geographic areas, it's really hard not to play that game. And I I wouldn't be the one to advise on completely pulling out of, of that strategy. But I think if you refocus the money you're spending on paying the aggregators into a really professionally done and thoughtfully done um, search engine marketing strategy, search engine optimization strategy, I mean, we've invested in an in-house communications vice president who focuses with with agency help on a really robust plan in that area and and last year was the first year that we pulled pretty much all of our dollars out of any hard print advertising and all into digital and and we do spend a, a good deal of money on it I, I mean i'm not going to say that we don't but um it feels good to spend that money because we are using that money to get directly to our customer and not get them caught up um because we're fueling a, a website and a group that does not truly give these prospects choice because they're only advertising those that pay. And I don't, I don't agree with that. So um, we've chosen to go about it a different way. And if anyone wants to hear the, the details of that and the true spend, I'd be happy to share that pretty transparently, because if you want to grow it in-house, I, I do think it's possible. Well, you know, it's possible because you're doing it. And, and our occupancy is in a decent place. We're not at 95% occupancy everywhere, but we are at 90. So, you know, we're doing pretty well. You are doing well and you're going to get there, back there, because you've historically been yeah. 95 plus across all of Absolutely. your Absolutely, yeah. You're many, many. So if somebody, thank you, Meredith, again, I definitely want to have you back and talk about a couple other things that you mentioned uh, during the training, but if somebody is interested in learn how you do it as far as the uh, the paid side, the aggregator side, how do they reach you? I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. You can definitely reach out to me there or or you can email me, mmills at countrymeadows.com. I'm very open to that and love to network with people in the industry who are excited about seniors the way that we are and are excited about making lives better for both our seniors and as customers and those who serve them. And you do it. You do it every day. So it's a beautiful day here, fall day. You live on a farm. Weekend plans. You got two young kids. We are um, soccer games, probably a little pottery in my pottery shed. I've got to get my self-care in and um, sure. just enjoying the gorgeous fall weather in the sweetest place on earth, Hershey, Pennsylvania. So it's the sweetest place on earth. I love it. Meredith Mills, Chief Executive Officer, Country Meadows. Thank you again for spending some time with me today. And thank you all for listening. If you'd like more information on Grow Your Occupancy, you can find us online, click the button below. And if you want to share this information or have other people learn what uh, Meredith has to share, hit the share button or the subscribe button. I'm told that that helps get the word out. Thank you again. And we'll talk to you on our next episode. Thank you, Julie.